We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. I have people who are actually trying to stop me from doing the greetings today. Because yeah. they tell me that it's this too is, urgent. This is an urgent situation. Emergency. It's an emergency, emergency situation. I'll tell you what this is not. Yeah. This is not an emergency podcast. We were recording tonight. It just so happens yeah, we that were. tonight <laughs> is the night that they decide to indict the president of the United they, States. They, the, uh, the indictment. So we don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, but we, I mean, all of us, but also myself, Camille Foster, I, I'm, you know, come on, I'm that guy. I'm also joined by those guys, Michael Moynihan, Matt Welch. Gentlemen, it's wonderful yep. to be with you again. This is the fucking Fifth Column podcast, and it's the best podcast yeah. around. I mean, it just is. But it might be the last episode. It, it is. Because well, the Republic has ended. It's melting well, down. And uh, yeah, we might get um, arrested yes. tomorrow. And, and the, depending on your perspective, they want. perhaps this is a day of jubilation and rejoicing. They're finally going to get him, even if it's on tax fraud. Um, or maybe this is the beginning of a banana republic or the fulfillment of some sort of banana republicization of America. Who knows? I don't know. But let's let's sort this out together. Let's I am. I'm just very excited yeah. uh, to learn tonight from Glenn Beck. I know Michael learned a lot from MSNBC uh, in the uh, <laughs> yeah, in the eight o'clock hour. Yeah, I, the I watched hour. a little Fox too. Yeah, uh, as you but do. yeah. We learned from Glenn Beck yeah. that um, the dollar as we know it is over in 2025. The Amero is it going to be the Amero? I, so. <laughs> I want that super highway. Uh, all right, the yeah, NAFTA highway. NAFTA super. Let's highway. get that going. Go right through Glenn, Glenn Beck's yard. Get now. the Amero. Ron Paul was right in those campaign ads. New Hampshire. 2008 would he absolutely <laughs> campaign against the Amero he totally yeah, did the uh, yeah, yeah uh, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Beck is just worried you know that it, we're, we're barely holding on and we're gonna have the violence and stuff and then uh, from yeah. what I understand Michael on MSNBC um, and this yeah. uh, this angle would not have occurred to me naturally but this just uh, shows my blinders um, yeah that it's all about race all about race <laughs> I was shocked by this um <laughs> It's impossible. You know the funny thing about this is, you guys, one of you guys sent the text that that he Trump had been indicted. Yeah, I think. I and think so my I natural was first, in, first with the news there. First, yeah, my, yeah, you were first with the <laughs> first news. In so I try to <laughs> try to fill in a little details. There's no details to fill in. Yeah, but I yelled to my Google speaker to put on uh, WNYC. I mean, this is an indictment that's happening in New York, mm-hmm. and this is the NPR station. Uh, it. <laughs> It comes on, and there is, and I want people to go uh, listen to this, because it has nothing to do with the indictment, but all things considered, um, on the 30th of March, so March 30th, there is one of the most despicable interviews with Al Sharpton, Oh, about 10 minutes long, about why are you so amazing, <laughs> And he's like, well, I am amazing, because, and it's just like, what the, f-? and it goes on and on. So I'm like, I, okay, I'm getting nothing here. Wait, that's not, that's not I go. That's not true. That's, I swear to God, this like, is literally, I go are and you I, amazing? It was, it was something like okay. that. <laughs> it's not a direct quote, but it was kind of, it was getting there. Um, so I go and I find an illegal bootleg stream of MSNBC. Okay. It's very easy to find. It's on the first At page a of film results. festival in Chicago. Uh, yes, of course. And so then I, um, I put it uh, up and, you know, the, guess who's on? Al Sharpton on uh, Joy Reid's <laughs> The Readout. Yes. And what is he talking about? The Central Park Five. He's like, Donald Trump 
wanted him executed. And the irony of him going in the same building, it's really not ironic, but okay. <laughs> okay, Alanis Morissette. Um, <laughs> of going into the same place where he wanted these black people to be executed. And Joy Reid's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, amazing. Amazing, you are the best. And they talk about Alvin Bragg being uh, the black DA. And of course, it's racist. Every guest after this, brings up the fact that Alvin Bragg and there is a race angle until it ends with the most ridiculous human who apparently was not one before. I didn't think he was. Michael Beschloss, the historian turned um, television commentator, Mm. who um, says that uh, it's not even a dog whistle. What Ron DeSantis said in his tweet which is, uh, um, the tweet basically said, uh, I'm not going to participate in the extradition of Donald Trump. You don't, this is all politics, right? He doesn't need to be extradited. He's going to fly to New York on Tuesday and he's going to be, to be arrested and photographed. You, 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 and, you think so? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not in that insane. I don't know. And his lawyers were saying he's going to go. He's not that insane. And there was a report. No, no, no. I, don't, I think he would get, like, there's no way out of Camille that. Camille okay. is rooting. Are you going to go on the run? He's rooting for the Bronco. I mean, he might. The white Bronco. And you know who's going to be driving? Melania. <laughs> Melania <laughs> is the, no, she is one the one. Al Cowlings. <laughs> She's like, you know, who, you know who I am, yes. motherfuckers? <laughs> what are you? Yes. You know who I am. Yes. I'm driving. Yes. On the highway. Yes. All the way up to the courthouse, yeah. motherfuckers. He's, and, and he's got a gun to his head in the back. Yeah. And you could imagine, yeah. like, people in Florida, yes. the streets of Florida, lined with people cheering, cheering him on. MAGA people. As the white, yeah. as the white Bentley. It's going to be a Bentley. Yeah. He's just plowing down the road. I mean, it'd be a sight. The thing is, that Al Collins was, like, going, like, 20 miles an hour. He was, like, using his fucking turn signals. It's like, dude, there's literally 800 LAP. They're arresting you for something else. Yeah. Don't worry about the niceties of traffic law. I think Melania will be going about 85, 90, um, you know, on the self-driving mode or whatever oh it is, <laughs> giving interviews. <laughs> yeah, I hope she is our, our Al Collins. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. But no, so. I just can't, I can't I imagine know, him turning himself in, but. I mean, it's, he's going to, but it, 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 I mean, if he doesn't, that would be really insane. Yeah, I'm not but, making a prediction. Uh, you know, everything. I'm saying it's hard. Everything can happen. You're expressing yeah. your desire, but, Camille. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that yeah, that is actually, that is actually true. For a little bit, for a little bit of levity <laughs> in the, in the midst of all of this craziness, um, because, it, um, because it is quite crazy. We should talk about like what, what our perspectives on this thing is again, given that we haven't seen the seal of the indictment and can only speculate about what's in it. But I think there's yes, probably plenty yes. of, plenty of good good substance that we could speculate on the basis of. But what, what did uh, Moynihan finish your best loss thought? I just want one, one more thing because it was first Andrew Weissman, who by the way is really horrible. Um, And Andrew Weissman was on, and he was the one actually who said that Ron DeSantis is an anti-Semite tonight. He said, it's not even a dog whistle. Wait a second. Uh, So the reason, yes, DeSantis is an anti-Semite. Because do you have any idea? Because Trump got indicted. DeSantis is an anti-Semite. Okay. Um, Yes. All right. This is the tweet. So they read this out on MSNBC and asked 85 guests about it. Um, And it was a very grave moment. The weaponization of the legal system to advance a political agenda turns the rule of law on its head. It's un-American. The Soros-backed Manhattan District Attorney. Okay, we're done. That was it. He mentioned Soros. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, uh, what's her name? Joy Reid is like, you know, there is a long... (laughs) 
a long history of this stereotype of like the Jew behind as the puppet master for a black. But I was like, what? That's not what the stereotype is at all. What are you talking about? That he's the Jewish puppet master of. They're going off on this for ages. Then, of course, uh, is when Michael Bushless comes on and compares Ron DeSantis to George Wallace. <laughs> Sorry, what? And I was like, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. Because he said, I'm not going to participate in an extradition, which is not going to be necessary. It's just like oh, standing in the door. Right. It's massive resistance. It's just like, yes, you know, James Meredith, the whole thing. It's like, are you, you're a historian, but apparently this is what historians do, is make bullshit comparisons. But I couldn't believe the lunacy on display of like every single person was crazier than the previous person. And my favorite bit was uh, DeSantis saying this and, and Joy Reid going, you know, it's a sealed indictment. He has no idea. He has no idea. There is something to that. He doesn't know. We don't know. And then, of course, she goes on and <laughs> speculates for an hour about how great this is that he's being indebted. But you don't know the contents either. But it's only when DeSantis says something that, uh, but it was a wild, wild thing to watch. I like, uh, and then of course I watched Fox News and it was equally as wild. The idea that um, it is anti-Semitic to point out that George Soros has funded a series of district attorneys um, yes. in big cities um, is something that's contradicted. <laughs> that is not anti-Semitic. That's contradicted by George Soros himself, who mm -hmm. writes and, and yeah. talks and brags about his yeah. role in electing reform, criminal justice reform favoring DAs in a half dozen cities, at least, or whatever it is, like wrote, uh, I think, a Wall Street Journal op-ed, like talking yeah, about this sure. not not that long ago. Um, there's no doubt that uh, George Soros is used as a boogeyman. I've written probably three things yes. at great length about that and how th people, I meant we mentioned Jack, uh, Glenn Beck, early Jeff Beck, he's dead. Uh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> um, uh, no, Glenn Beck, uh, you know, did a, a terrible thing talking about George Soros's uh, wartime activities in Hungary, and that somehow proves yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. anti-Semitic. Yeah. So, like, look, my track record's clean as a whistle on this, but George Soros is involved in the criminal justice system. Um, I think mm -hmm. what DeSantis did was was wrong and silly, and one of the reasons why I'm not going to get excited if and when he wins the Republican nomination, um, because it's just a nod towards what he thinks Republicans need to hear, and he's probably right about that. Sure. And I and sure. I find yeah. that whole thing gross. Um, just the extradition yeah. thing, if nothing else, I don't care about the Soros as much, because again, that's kind of a, uh, uh, accurate as far as it goes. Um, but what I uh, also find hilarious is um, people who are cheering on this thing um, uh, saying, I, you know, how dare they talk about this being politicized? This was a grand jury. Those people were sworn in. <laughs> this is a grand, you know, that that's yeah. you know, George Soros didn't elect the grand jury. Motherfuckers, pay attention to the history of the grand jury uh, system. I would invite you to, if nothing else, just go to Google, put in quotes, grand jury and put in quotes, ham sandwich. Just see what comes up there and where the etymology of that comes in. The grand jury system, which is pointed out, it's a, it's explicated in the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution. It was understood as an important citizen check on prosecutorial power. It has become the exact opposite. It has become mm -hmm. one of the only fora in America where a prosecutor can do whatever he wants without a judge 
and without uh, without opposing lawyers. And that grand jury can then do things which investigators in a normal criminal prosecution cannot do. They can compel testimony. Yes. And if you don't testify, you can be thrown in jail. There is no there is no Fifth Amendment right to uh, to to turn down compelled testimony by grand jury. This is why all the people in the stupid Barry Bonds thing that were ended up in jail were people who refused to testify in front of a grand jury. So don't tell me that this is some sort of sacrosanct legal uh, set of people stroking their chin beards and deciding, well, this now. No, it's because Alvin Bragg changed his mind and he told the grand jury what to do. Mm -hmm. And this is what they're going to do. And we'll see what that is. But it's not as if there's some independent check on it. No, uh, grand juries exist to be told by prosecutors what they should and shouldn't do. That's what we're saying. Yes. And it's also um, important to remember a few things about this. Of course, the grand jury, even if you love grand juries and you think they um, wouldn't indict a ham sandwich. But if, <laughs> if, you, if you think this is the greatest thing in the world, you also have to understand that Alvin Bragg has been out there. I mean, look, this is an elected position. He's a Democrat. He's been out there talking about Donald Trump. I mean, I thought I saw this quote um, today in an old article. This is Bragg, I think, talking to the Wall Street Journal. It's a fact that I've sued Trump more than 100 times. I can't change that fact, nor would I. That was important work. That's separate from anything the DA's office may be looking at now. <laughs> I'm going to brag about, Bragg is bragging about that. And you know, by the way, it's a totally separate thing. And this is nothing. Remember how people reacted to the fact that Kenneth Starr was a Republican and how Kenneth Starr in that special counsel and you know the, the reasons for special counsels, that is a whole complicated mess. And um, they shouldn't have existed in a lot of ways anyway. But Kenneth Starr, the, the entire uh, investigation into Bill Clinton was called into question because of Kenneth Starr's political affiliations. And look, it's a perfectly reasonable thing to say that this guy has a partisan axe to grind when Ken Starr is doing it. I interviewed Ken Starr and I hit him on this and it was a pretty interesting exchange. Um, I also, by the way, just to, for myself, I, I, if you're a subscriber to the Fifth Column uh, podcast on Substack, you'll find a a link that I posted just for subscribers of me grilling um, uh, Dinesh D'Souza on this very issue of, of talking about George Soros and being a Nazi collaborator and the rest of it. Um, so I think I have pretty good credentials in this, but also our, our friend and, and uh, uh, multi-episode guest, James Kerchick, Jamie Kerchick, wrote a piece for Tablet Magazine saying, it's not always anti-Semitic to call George Soros out for things that he does because he funds a lot of political campaigns. To mention that is not de facto, de jure, anything anti-Semitic. That's ridiculous. And to say that, uh, on television in this kind of hot moment where everybody at MSNBC is, you know, swooning. They're, like one guest was like, uh, was somebody said, you know, we're just going to watch, uh, you know, play this play out. The next guest was like, hey, I'm just going to say I am excited. I am really excited. I swear to God. He was like, I am excited tonight. This is really exciting. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is, I mean, Rachel Maddow came on at nine o'clock. I didn't, I didn't tune in because we just started recording. But I'm sure she's probably having an orgasm on 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 air. I mean, she's been going after the you know the tax returns and all this stuff. It, it, Trump's a, a, a scumbag. Um, this is not in doubt. But if this is what you think you're going to get him on, what we know, this seems a, like a monumentally weak case. Now, just a bit of throat clearing here that's necessary because you know some people will be listening to this after the sealed indictment is unsealed and they know what the charges are is that there could be something in those interviews mm -hmm. 
that changed the idea of this investigation. There's a second, mm-hmm. uh, second hush money gal. Yes, I mean, there's a million things this could possibly be, but what we know, and we've talked about this in the past, but what we know and what has been um, discussed and and brought into the public and debated endlessly is not convincing. So much so that the New York Times, Ruth Marcus and Washington Post, a lot of liberal commentators saying, this is not what we get this guy on. Mm -hmm. And keeping in mind that there's maybe indictments in two other cases too. At least. Too. Which at least, I mean, which is crazy. This might be just the beginning. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, and it's probably worth. And I think we did a little bit of this last week, but it's worth reviewing what we do know here. There is two parts to the case in New York. The first piece of it has to do with the payments to Stormy Daniels, who was insisting that she was going to talk to media <laughs> about her mm-hmm. affair with Donald Trump. Um, alleged affair since the president of the United States, former it's not president. It's really an affair. She just had sex. <laughs> <laughs> not every sexual experience is an affair. Uh, we're just, okay. I've had a lot of we're, affairs. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe, we're going to have a Michael Moynihan sex dictionary <laughs> segment. Uh, yeah. yeah, it depends <laughs> yeah, on what the definition fair. of is. It. Right. I am talking about Ken Starr. So yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So at a minimum, that happened. There were payments to her um, for her to shut her mouth. Um, Michael Cohen has in, did, then Trump's attorney did in fact plead guilty um, to uh, something there, but what he pled to is a, a bit questionable. But there's and no that was doubt the, that was federal. It was a federal, federal case, federal, which is correct. important. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's no doubt that they falsified business records with respect to the payment, which was one hundred thirty thousand dollars to Stormy Daniels, which was effectively paid by Cohen. And then Donald Trump repaid him plus some fees um, through the Trump organization and wrote all of this off as legitimate business expenses um, when, in fact, it was not. So at a minimum, they're falsifying business records. Um, and what would be prosecutable there is a misdemeanor. And there is a two-year statute of limitations on that. And The, the misdemeanor here, in, New, in New York in this in case. In New York. In, yeah. in New York. Correct. Um, and the issue, however, is that in New York, they've decided to e- elevate this to a felony. Um, and they're doing it by suggesting that this particular misdemeanor, um, what would have been a misdemeanor, was actually done in pursuance of concealing some grander crimes, specifically yeah. attaining high office and obscuring his misdeeds so that it doesn't cost him the high office. Now, the the question there is, is that actually a legitimate connection to make? This is the bit of this that's being described as sort of a legal, a, a novel legal theory by, again, not so conservative, questionable sources like no. the New York the Times. The New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, repeatedly yeah. described in this way. Um, novel and, and legal theory. <laughs> thoughtful people who are routinely skeptical okay. of Donald Trump, who supported the indictment, like David French, friend of the podcast. Um, are mm-hmm. have openly questioned the wisdom of this prosecution and even suggested that this is a really, really bad look um, and mm-hmm. isn't so skeptical of some of the other prosecutions like the Georgia prosecution, which he, he seems to believe is a lot stronger, as we suggested last time around on this podcast. So, I mean, for that reason alone, it's hard to get the political stink off of the prosecution that's taking place in New York. Mm-hmm. and it And I think it's... What compounds it is that there was both the Trump White House or the Trump Justice Department and the Biden Justice Department declined to prosecute 
federally on these charges. And this would have been a federal case if, in fact, Trump was attempting to to evade um to evade knowledge of this for the purposes of winning an election like they they would have prosecuted perhaps one presumes um but they didn't prosecute uh, they did get Cohen but they didn't get Trump and actually declined to do so but New York decided otherwise um and or at least after not deciding yeah, the opposite, at least hasn't even so much and then decided otherwise Alvin Bragg initially yeah, yeah and hasn't even so much decided otherwise they're prosecuting this case on this novel legal theory and they're attempting to inst- attempting to prove or perhaps will attempt to prove we presume that there is some obvious evidence um that Trump was in fact trying to pull one over um, on the voters, um, and not merely his wife. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it just seems pretty dubious, but again, maybe there's some other smoking gun there that will make all of this. And he's not going to jail for it. That's for sure. I mean, this is, I mean, they prosecute this and they win. Let's imagine that. Also, you also have to imagine the case that in all of these, um, three cases that we see right now, um, DC, uh, Georgia, New York, that he skates on all of them. And that, I mean, indicted, but, but you know, can ultimately skate. Uh, because, you know, the Georgia one's really complicated, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at this, mm-hmm. it is one of the worst things I've heard from a sitting president. It is really atrocious this thing to hear. Where he makes and a it is the, phone call and says, yeah. look, I need, I need the says, rest of these votes. I need these votes. Yeah. An, an exact number he gives, by and, the way. And if, if, if it doesn't happen, <laughs> like, I mean, you, you yeah. could find yourself in uh, some sort of criminal hot water. It could happen. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, but I wonder about that too, because was there um, anything beyond that conversation? Did he, you know, mm-hmm. exert some pressure on them? Because, you know, the I think his lawyers will clearly argue that to speculate about these things is not illegal. Um, and that is a fairly reasonable case to make, provided he has not gone further and sent people to go down there and talk to Brad Raffensperger and talk to all these people and say, put the squeeze on them, put the pressure on them. Um, you know, that would be a different thing. But even that, I mean, we're, we're wondering, you know, it's, a, it's not an open, it doesn't seem like an open and shut, shut case to me. Beyond yeah. the legal mm-hmm. stuff too, which is very important to say, beyond the legal stuff, it's one of the most disgraceful things that I can think of in, you know, I mean, if you had Nixon doing something like that, it wouldn't be surprising, but it would be, it would be something akin to a smoking gun tape, you know, if, if let's, we need to win this election by breaking into the Watergate hotel and finding things in the democratic. Oh, by the way, small footnote, uh, these are the geniuses that are, that are guiding you, uh, on cable news. Uh, Joy Reid at some point said, you know, uh, look, this has happened in the past. The attorney general under Nixon uh, was indicted and went to jail. John Mitchell did not go to jail. Okay, <laughs> so that is n- if you're watching this stuff, double check all this stuff uh, with Chat GPT because that is <laughs> not true. John Mitchell did not go to jail. And uh, James Rosen, former Fox News uh, correspondent, and I think now at Newsmax, um, and noted Beatle obsessive, yep. uh, wrote actually a very good book about John Mitchell that he worked on for about 20 years, about 15, 20 years. It's a very, it's called um, The Strong Man. It's a good book. There's a, anyway. a couple of uh, little additional notes. One is that the federal case against Michael Cohen, um, I think it's always important as we talked about when, last time we talked about this issue is that 
with all of us sitting here, well, Moynihan more than us, but uh, committing three felonies a day, according to Harvey Silverglade, uh, by the letter of the law. <laughs> I didn't even leave the house, too, yeah. and I've committed three My felonies God. a day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can see at least two right now on the screen. Um, uh, She's just sleeping, There's. <laughs> There's a lot of there's just a, a horrendous amount, actually, of prosecutorial discretion. And um, the most likely interpretation of the Michael Cohen prosecution on the federal level is that he probably, I'm guessing, would not have been prosecuted if it wasn't for uh, part of an overarching look into Donald Trump. This is what you do is you roll the people yes. beforehand. You see this in the January 6th. Things as well. You get the, the sort of henchmen and you're building your way up to the kingpin yeah. at the end. And it would seem, and maybe I'm yeah. speculating here, but I think, I think it's a reasonable inference that, so they rolled uh, Michael Cohen and he was, I mean, I'm sure he's guilty of sin. <laughs> just, just look at his coat. Um, but then, uh, and then they came up to it and they're like, okay, maybe this is not going to be, you know, uh, Trump like Hillary Clinton back in 2016, maybe in violation of the letter of the law. But does this rise to the level of something that we normally prosecute? Um, probably not. So let's not do it or whatever. There's some the the rolling stop. That's one thing. The other thing is, uh, 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 in addition to the grand jury nonsense that I'm seeing around a lot, um, one of the uh, analyses of tying this in with a 2016 campaign Here's an example from Simon Rosenberg, who's a Politico strategist, D.C. guy. Um, what was Trump's crime? Cheating in an election, which he only won by 70,000 votes. Would have Stormy coming forward right before the election prevented him from winning in 2016? Almost certainly. It's no small what? thing. Um I think that that's not. Has he not realized that nobody cares about? <laughs> I don't think that's a really good political analysis. Um, I mean, not really. No. I, I doubt when it gets down to a court of law, that is how it is going to be nope. judged one way or the other. But nope. even, but in terms of like political morality, uh, uh, I think it's fine to say what Trump does every day when he wakes up and puts on his you know, pants one leg at a time or whatever is crooked and gross and should not be rewarded with political office. I thought that, I don't know, in 2015 and 2014 and 13 and 12 and every other fucking year I've been alive. Um, but that's a little bit different than saying um, that it's uh, has applicability in um, in a legal case. This there's no evidence as far as I can tell that Stormy Daniels would have moved the needle in any direction. The only thing that ever moved yeah. the needle during the uh, the campaign was the grab him by the pussy moment. Mm -hmm. um, because that was actually gross. It was it, it spoke to an abuse. Are you saying having sex with a porn star isn't? Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Very generous of you, man. He didn't just say that. He said it's good, actually. It's, uh, he, yeah, yeah. he defended it <laughs> There's no virtuous yeah. and brave. There is no yeah. abuse of power. He's a he's a dick. I mean, for for my money, if you want like to to have him doing something terrible to Melania, and I know that the mm -hmm. three of us all do in different uh, degrees, um, are are outraged by his lack of respect for the America's greatest first lady. It's true. She um, was at home. For she was at home. Pregnant. America's this is greatest, greatest crime. first child. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Tallest. She had well. a six foot three baby <laughs> yes. sitting there. <laughs> A what a remarkable woman. Why are you woman? so tall? <laughs> Where is your papa tonight? 
He's, uh, he said he can't come because there's a storm. <laughs> he said it's very stormy. I don't know why he's not home. Okay. Oh, so Baron, I'm going to put you in the big bathtub because you are so big. When did she become Simka from Taxi? I don't know. Uh, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah. It's Ladka's uh, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was, a, there was a lot piece. of driving. So. There yeah. was a piece in 2016, and you know what? We probably talked about it on this podcast because I want to drop a little craziness that you guys weren't mm. prepared for. Uh -oh. But most people are going to hear this on March 31st. Do you know what April 1st is, guys? April Fool's. April Fool's Day. Do you know what else it is? Yeah. It's the seven-year anniversary of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Our seven-year itch April is 1st? coming up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Seven years of this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> seven, seven years, seven years of y'all's bullshit. And by y'all, I mean yeah, the people yeah. who tune into this fine podcast. Actually, yeah. I mean yeah. America. I mean America. America's a better place because of this podcast. That's true. That's you damn one right. of the yeah. last bastions yeah. of sanity. I mean, jeez. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. well, I mean, it's, we'll continue, Matt, and then we'll get back to the complete insanity I've seen tonight in other places. Uh, no, just that uh, there was a New York Times columnist, a woman whose name I forget, who relayed a story just kind of apropos of nothing of Trump being on a helipad somewhere in New York. Camille wasn't there that night. Um, and uh, <laughs> and bragging to this New York Post columnist who he didn't really know and was sort of like a first or a second time talking. And Barron had just been born. And um, and uh, Trump bragged um, like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to change any dive. Five kids never changed a diaper. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. to me, yeah. that like that's when I decided to vote. for. I him. know. <laughs> I remember you being excited. About that, right? Genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He could do that for, for himself. What can he do for America? Yeah, yeah. true. Exactly. Yeah. He gets somebody else to do. He'll get Mexico to pay for the wall. He got Melania to change the diaper. <laughs> <laughs> Melania. I'm sure she's yeah. changed one. She's changed yeah. one diaper. She least. never changed one. She had a, a, another poorer Slovenian person change them. <laughs> no, of course. Oh, no, yeah. no. She never uh, did. No. All from the east of Slovenia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Moldova. Oh, but, man. you know, the craziness, by the way, that we've endured um, seems to have just gotten worse. Because after watching the MSNBC going over to Fox, and it is, as Camille was pointing out uh, before this podcast, when we were um, listening to that Glenn Beck clip that you oh, sent, which man. is, I mean, totally, completely insane. And at the end of it, he puts on a MAGA yeah. hat that is is like comically large. The, the typeface is, <laughs> is enormous. It just says MAGA across it. And keeping in mind when the the HBO show that I worked on started the first episode, the very first segment of the first episode was me talking to Glenn Beck about how he felt bad mm -hmm. about the way he had behaved and how this paved the way for some uh, ungodly heathen like Donald Trump. And imagine how far we've come when he was on Tucker Carlson's show tonight wearing a MAGA hat. Literally, I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm a supporter. I'm wearing this team hat yeah, which is in saying they totally are going to destroy hat. everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, of course. He, he probably had one of his employees just paste these things on it looks ridiculous but he says you know they are doing this and that's what camille and i were talking about before we before we started it's like who is this they like they are going to do this to us they are going to replace this they are going to start this war by 2025 you know this is all you know bananas uh civil war stuff, I mean, he, right? he he explicitly says that this is all part of some elaborate scheme to, to create uh, a circumstance yes. where there's violence perpetrated by some sort of right-wing extremist, because that 
they're trying to precipitate all kinds of bad things. So they, they deliberately apparently had the Biden administration pass up on the opportunity to prosecute federally. Um, so that they, whoever, again, they are shadowy figures, yeah. um, could have the indictment come down on the same day that the QAnon shaman gets out. That's um, how they did this. Can't you see what's yeah. happening here? Oh. Yeah. Dude, yeah. what are you talking about? What That's cracked. You have, Wait, did, did you Glenn Beck say that? Yeah. Yes. He did. Oh. It's crazy. I mean, the man's crazy. It is and, and, so and far maybe, beyond. And maybe he doesn't mean it literally. But he didn't qualify. No, he does. <laughs> he didn't qualify he does, it at all. The worst thing about Tucker Carlson, too, as I was watching his show, as I flipped over, because he was on, I think, at 8 mm-hmm. o'clock tonight or something. Isn't he usually on at 9 o'clock? Oh, he's at but 8. He was on at 8 o'clock. Um, oh, he's at 8. Oh, I don't know. Uh, he was on at 8, and he was um, he had uh, Trump's uh, lawyer on tonight. He was looking pretty good, <laughs> by the way. Um, <laughs> believe she's like syrian or something mm. from new jersey did you, did you look her um, up yeah i looked her up she's like oh my god yeah. of course all of donald Where trump's she, donald trump's lawyers no the johnny Where did she Depp, go to the johnny Depp yeah. strategy oh she went to like new jersey state there's places i've never even heard of she went to. <laughs> um, she's not hyper qualified um, <laughs> but she is good she's attractive so that's you, could see, I, you, you know you that's why, why he chose picked her. her yeah yeah, it wasn't like it's like you get Alan Dershowitz is the ugliest man on earth, and he could you could have chosen him, but you're like, no, nah, I need the yeah, opposite yeah. of Alan Dershowitz. This woman is no, the ugliest man. Binders, binders, she's Arab. Yeah. This, is how he, this is how Donald Trump picks his lawyers. She's binders full of women are presented to him. He yeah, flips through yeah. the pictures. She, he, yeah, she's the opposite yeah. of him. She's Arab. She's attractive. Get her. I mean, I love given, her. given uh, his the, previous it, experience it, with it, lawyers, one could understand why he would adopt a different kind of strategy. That's true. Yeah, like that isn't Sidney Powell, who's like probably chewing on a rug somewhere in the woods, like losing her mind. She's a lunatic. But but the thing about Tucker is that was annoying is that he asks these amazingly leading questions, mm-hmm. which is so annoying to watch. He's he's like, would you say that the Republic is probably in jeopardy in this whole thing as a total fraud? It's like, would I say what you just said? Is that what you're asking me? Oh, you're just getting me to say what you want to say. <laughs> and that was, it was like, oh, this is so frustrating to watch. And, you know, b- b- I don't believe that he pushed back in those clips that I saw with Glenn Beck. But, I mean, you would imagine that somebody like a Megyn Kelly, for instance, our pal Megyn Kelly, would push back and be like, what are you talking about? Hold on, who's they? What is this um, civil war that's about to break out because of this indictment? This has never happened in American history, so therefore... It's unjust. Well, that's not why it would be unjust, because it's the first time it ever happened. We tend to take a hands-off approach in these things. Took a hands-off approach with Nixon because he was in office, and that was a recommendation. And uh, when Nixon resigned, there was a brief period when when Leon Jaworski was, you know, com- you know, compiling a case, and then Gerald Ford pardoned him, which was uh, like one so, of the most supremely yeah. controversial acts. Um, yes. Yeah. Including yeah, within yeah. the, and I think was wrong within yeah. the, uh, the Ford administration. Yeah. It's pretty interesting to watch the people. There's uh, yeah. two of the people who were intimately involved in that <clears throat> were um, Dick Cheney and uh, Donald Rumsfeld um, who were on the side of, yes. uh, of yeah. pardon That's right. uh, and other people as was Al Haig, I think. And, uh, uh, and other people like Thomas Hartman, who uh, I've written about in the past was uh, vociferously against it. And uh, it's pretty interesting to look at the history of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's the, the idea of, of 
this is you know unprecedented in history. It is, and that's an important thing to to think about. And there are a couple of elements to that. Um, one of them are Trump is in many ways unprecedented in, in history in that his character was really widely known before he became president, and it was really bad. And he'd been involved in a thousand court cases. He was a known liar and bullshitter. He would stiff people who he owed money to. Um, uh, it just like you knew who he was. People knew who he was and said yes, not even despite that, but in many cases because of that. That puts us in unprecedented ground, um, as does, uh, I think, Democratic prosecutors and Democrats in general who – in their zeal to do something about this unique threat to American democracy will grab at absolutely any strand without understanding that that makes yeah. people question everything. And it's such, and again, we've talked yes. about this on uh, the previous time we, we talked about this, but um, this is going to jeopardize those future cases in the court of public opinion, which is not an insignificant court. Um, you, if you want to have legitimacy for the prosecution in Georgia, this hurts it um, because you're stretching to make mm -hmm. a state case based on federal charges that have been dropped. That's just a problem. But I mean, it's already happened because of the Russia stuff of, of how zealous and how, um, you know, slobbering all of these people became when, it, when there was just, you know, floated the idea that Donald Trump was a longtime FSB asset, and the campaign worked intimately with the government of Vladimir Putin to get elected. Um, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. There are people that were involved in Donald Trump's campaign that got a little too close to people uh, in that sense. There was, you know, as, as I constantly quote uh, Eli Lake's um, a fantastic piece that he wrote about this, I think it was for commentary. What was it? Um, some, uh, guilty, but... But in, it was not guilty, but innocent. But it was something like that. That there was, there was some guilt in that. But the the larger not idea, not guilty, but not innocent. Russia, or yeah, so, yeah, is something something to that effect. And it's just you know because people always say, "Oh, you're giving him a pass." No, no, I'm not giving him a pass. I'm giving the media a hard time for creating this enormous edifice. I mean, look at the number of books that are on the shelves. I mean, you go to any bookstore in the middle of the Trump administration. There was forty books you know, by UNH poetry professors who would do 150 tweet streams and that turned into a book deal. This guy that I apparently went to high school with. And uh, what's so, his name? Yeah. Seth Abramson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like these people made a career of just being, you know, like 9-11 truthers, but, you know, in this, in this universe. Uh, finding these little strands and putting them together. People lose confidence in, in the idea that the next one is going to be the big one when you keep blowing it. And you keep coming up with these cases that have some, you know, dodgy qualities to them, but then end up not being what you're promising them. But is it possible? Is it, is it possible though? And and I don't know that this is a more optimistic take. Just a slightly, I'm not even sure that I have a take on that on this aspect of it. But it seems likely that there's already this huge bifurcation amongst the the polity, sure. um, the people who have complete. Uh, are completely revolted by Donald Trump um, and who want to see him hung for something, anything, at any point, um, and who believe that unless the justice system scores a conviction of some sort, like that is an indictment of the justice system. Mm -hmm. And the people who are like us, perhaps, 
Um, but then also the people who love Donald Trump, who would look at this and say, yeah, this doesn't seem quite right. It's this not, is perhaps not the kind of case that, that, ought to be, that ought to be brought. I think, I think I mean, they're not, yeah. the, the direct quote is not, this doesn't seem quite right. I okay. Think, I think the direct quote is going to be a little bit more uh, strong. This is the deep state. Strong, yeah. I think yeah, that this doesn't seem quite right is, yeah. is, is us, frankly. It's uh, people who, it's Jacob Sullum who writes yeah. about this wonderfully for a reason over and over again. He's just a supremely fair, kind of judi- judicious, looking at the facts type Very of person so, yeah. um, and who can say this. And it's a lot of other um, uh, you know, people who mm-hmm. haven't completely fallen under the fevers of partisanship uh, and who know something about the criminal justice system. Like, I don't know. That's kind of weird, this one. But I think that you, you and me and Camille, um, Camille, like the least likely, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. are willing, are willing to be impressed by this indictment. Um, I'm no, open I'm, I'm to totally, I am totally open to the possibility that there is something yeah, we'll here see. that we are un, not privy to don't that is like, whoa, that exactly. is fucking damning. Yes. Bury him under the prison. Um, yes. But <laughs> lots of what I've... But what, don't put him in it. But what I've seen thus far um, just isn't isn't super impressive, and it's it's hard to imagine that they have more than the Fed looking at this. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do, and we'll find out in due time. I suppose. maybe they're wrong, but it's also yeah, it's also important for Republicans and Trump uh, fans to remember something. They say, "Oh, this is the deep state. This is this unbelievable." conspiracy glenn beck saying the world is ending there's going to be a new replacement uh, <laughs> currency and it's going to be ripple it's going to be the ripple stable coin or something he was on a roll um, he was on a roll in, in yeah and then joe yeah exactly he was just he was you just and not shaman they're there. gonna replace the He's currency like, <laughs> jesus yeah they're gonna replace the currency it's a two-minute clip yeah. dude that's a lot north dakota <laughs> Jesus is coming back on Wednesday. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. North Dakota is part of Canada. I don't know what happened. This is crazy. Pierre Trudeau is alive and he's now running half of America. Did you hear me? Um, no, but this, this shit, if we have to remember, so the Ken Starr thing is an important thing. People are so, the Republicans get so crazed about this and so upset about this. Can you believe the lengths in which they go? Um, no, this is what everyone does. Sorry. Um, I don't think it's right when people do it in either way, but remember the absolute, even when I hated Bill Clinton, I've ended up liking him more than I I did at the time. But I realized that when Hillary Clinton said uh, there was a vast right-wing conspiracy and she had these like cards that, Mm. you know, that showed the cycling of news through the telegraph um, back in from the rumor (laughs) mill back into the American press. She was actually right. Uh She was right about that. And that, that it's, there was a conspiracy uh, quite a big one, and one called the Arkansas Project that was tied up with the American Spectator. Th- they were trying to take him down by any mm. means necessary, and they impeached him. Um, Not enough times, Lewinsky apparently. Stuff. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that. Republicans would do the exact same thing if they had the ability, and if there were, if 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 I mean, imagine if Barack Obama was a man with impulse control issues like Donald Trump. Imagine what they would have done in those eight years of investigations and, you know, conspiracy theories and the rest of it. I mean, the president of the United States, who was the the subject of this conversation, literally spent half that administration on Twitter saying that Barack Obama was born in Kenya. 
So <laughs> kind of, we kind of forget about that. I mean, the conspiracy theorizing about people is a universal quality within politics. And you should call it out whenever, but I think these people think, the, the problem that I have is they think there's a uniqueness to it. It's the deep state. It's this unique moment and we're on, you know, civil war is coming. It's like, no, we just have social media now. And you guys are fucking consuming this all day. And it's making everyone crazy. I Like, even if you watch, I don't, I, I never see the show and I've made a point I should never, ever talk about this on the show. But I see these clips of mm. The View. And, and it's like, okay, the lady from Sister Act <laughs> is telling me about indictments. Like, what? Who is, is what is going Megan on here? Megan Kelly forces us to watch it before we go on every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, this story is going to be discussed. It's like Joy Behar on abortion. Like, can, I, really? can I read you care? a Polita fact, fact check from tonight, which was yeah. kind of on points what Moynihan was just discussing? Some are comparing Bill Clinton's payment to Paula Jones with Donald Trump's a payoff to Stormy Daniels. But there are key differences. Oh, Clinton paid Jones to settle a public lawsuit after being elected. Trump secretly paid Daniels before the 2016 election. It's like, you know, we live in a great fucking country. Yeah. This is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got fact checkers. Yeah. We got presidents just fucking everybody and paying them money. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, I mean that's, that's right. polite. It's the that's nice exactly thing to right. do, the gentlemanly thing to do. Just leave a leave yeah. a wad of cash on the nightstand after you're done. And one of yes. them was a porn yeah. star. Yeah, so this was not the first time she'd been paid yeah. for sex. It's yeah, it's kind of her job. No, it's like yeah. literally the first. It was like the only yeah. the first time that Donald, day. He's Donald Trump <laughs> creating <laughs> jobs because she was at a golf tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> shovel ready jobs for Donald Trump. <laughs> shovel ready <laughs> oh my god <laughs> man that girl is shovel ready yeah that's what i'm gonna say see her across camille the before we started looking pretty you were all ready. sad about the impending civil war uh, no i'm not have we talked not, you out of it not impending civil war it's just the it's the pronounced insanity of so many people um, and I, I think what I was saying before we started recording and I, I was, you know, just musing, I'm not stating, I know, I'm just trying my, to, my perspective, I'm, but I'm trying to make you, you know, feel better in, in 20, 2015, 2016, you know, you get Donald Trump and certain segment of the country is absolutely crazy about it happening. Another segment of the population is crazy in permitting it to happen, perhaps not anticipating the various ways that it could go very badly. And the country just kind of sinks deeper and deeper into like this paranoid <laughs> craziness. Uh, and then COVID smashes us over the head. And now we arrive here with this, I think, rather obviously politically motivated prosecution. At least it seems that way to me at the moment. Getting yes. things could occur that, that, that make it not seem that way, um, but perhaps not. Um, and, you know, the immediate... Uh, response to this on the right um, is kind of the Glenn Beck uh, appearance on Fox News, but also a barrage of um, fundraising emails that are sure to come um, out of prominent conservative politicians talking about the left-wing takeover and God knows what else, mm -hmm. the idiocy of the culture war, the just like everything is so bananas. Um, and then on top of that, you have all of the other weirdness in the culture, like the AI insanity um, I think, I think panic, <laughs> um, related to AI, we could talk a little bit about that. 
I, I read, read letter. that letter. Yeah, right? and I'm, I'm less than persuaded, despite the fact that there are a lot of prominent people who less are, are yeah. signers on that letter who presumably know more about these things than me. Um, but I think Sam, uh, Sam, Sam Altman, what's his name? He did Altman. not sign. I don't think so. Did he sign it? Oh, I no, did anyone try to get you to sign, Camille? No. I mean, you he's, could just he's sign. A prick, it's an open letter. You've said so there. a couple of times, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I really. It was the worst interview I've ever done. He was a, he was the biggest yeah, asshole well. I've ever interviewed. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like out of, I mean, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people, and I've never met somebody who was more obnoxious. I've, I've never him. met him. He's one of these tech guys who thinks that because <laughs> they are good at creating AI models, that they know how to solve yes, poverty. This is true. And was like eye rolling that, yeah, you think you know how to do this? I'm like, no, I know. I know the, the solutions all with, yeah. Well, he, with he you. believes in the, the, I, the universal I, I, basic I income. Um, I, I don't believe Sam Altman signed, but, uh, yes. our, our old friend, um, uh, Yang is actually, he, he's endorsed Andrew the Yang Steve yeah. Wozniak, Elon um, Musk, who was the co-founder of Wozniak. Apple, but who's also, I mean, he he's pretty notorious. He's a weird character. Um, he endorses all yes, sorts of he's bizarre things. So it's interesting that he's <laughs> yes, like the third yes. name on there. Um, I was scrolling through the long list and yeah. I saw Max Tegmark um, is actually listed there. And he's a, a physicist, um, at least, uh, I guess he's a physicist. I think so. Um, but he, he writes a lot about math and how the universe is math and is super interesting. Can you explain to people, Camille, what the substance of the letter is about AI and about um, chat GPT and GPT? AI is very scary. Um, AI is going to cause um, mm -hmm. all sorts of transformational changes in society. And we have to do so slowly and gradually and thoughtfully. So we should do, I believe it was a six month pause on all major AI Crazy. projects. Essentially, explicitly it says yeah. um, anything more sophisticated than chat GPT-4, which is very convenient, um, should be stopped. <laughs> should yeah, be allowed. It's great for, for, it's great for Sam Altman. Um, while yeah. we sort all this up. And, yeah. and some of the stuff sounds very reasonable, right? That there should be these independent um, organizations that are put into place that can provide oversight and guidance that in general, um, there should be new regulatory bodies spun up, whether or not that it sounds very um, wise is another thing. I mean, one thing that we know is that bureaucrats aren't very knowledgeable about technology and as a result, probably not so great at creating mm -hmm. these new regulatory agencies, which will probably be captured by the industry. So again, point for the people who wrote the letter mm -hmm. um, and that the things mm -hmm. that we need to be careful of are the proliferation of misinformation generated by AI um, and the replacement of jobs by AI is going to displace a lot of workers. Yeah, I, I mean, um, and that in general, who wrote this fucking Bernie Sanders? <laughs> well, Andrew Yang is, is, is involved. Misinformation. Um, and, yeah. and that yeah, in general, yeah, yeah. all AI development needs to Elon be guided too. by um, some sort of kind of purposeful, deliberate thought about the good that is being done for humanity by the development of this technology. And, and what a I, ludicrous I think idea. it's, I think oh, it's, is. look, at, at a <laughs> minimum, one could say, are there real dangers and risks here? Almost certainly. The, as as sure. there are with most technological innovations. Um, have there been yes. times in the past where we haven't been nearly as prudent as we ought to be? 
Um, when I look back at some of the things that were done um, when we were pursuing uh, development of, like, say, nuclear weapons technology, like some of that is actually pretty, pretty spooky. Um, I'm actually not super nervous about what's happening with AI, especially not now. Like, it just does not seem like ChatGPT four is on the verge of becoming self-aware if you actually understand how this stuff works. And a lot of the people who signed this letter do know how yeah. this stuff works, um, which is one of the things yeah. that gives me some pause. Um, but I mean, the responses to this have been very interesting. I mean, on one side, you'll see people who are like, this is this is a panic. On another side, you'll actually see people say, six months is not enough. And we need to stop this, <laughs> stop this forever. Well, it, like, I mean, it isn't. If this is your, um, yeah. like, no more large yeah. language models um, like we just have to stop all of this because it's going to destroy the country. And it just seems completely ridiculous. We can't do anything. We cannot stop anything. And what happens is if you have these incredibly smart people who occasionally are incredibly stupid, um, including Sam Altman. <laughs> um, so if he didn't sign the letter, I'm going to, I'm going to forge his name because it's what an idiotic thing. So hard think. for me. You know, I'm, I'm, is, I'm trying to talk to some people at OpenAI about a couple of different things. He's denigrating their boss and I'm just here. I'm not trying to. Guy's a prick. I don't care. Yeah, you can like him. I don't have to like him. He's an asshole. He'll be an asshole to you too. Um, <laughs> he'll be like, you don't know anything about people race. Like I know me. everything. People like me. Uh, yeah, it, well, exactly. They don't like me, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's what I've discovered. But this stuff is like, okay, so yeah. you pause it for six months. That's nothing. Of course, then we have to amp it up like 12 months. We need to do it three years, four years. Mm -hmm. Who's pausing here? Just us. So other people are going to be doing this. Yes. The Chinese will be yes. doing it. Red, the Russians will be yeah, doing it. Everybody else Chinese, will be doing this. Thank you. The red Chinese, <laughs> the, the scumbag Russians. Everybody else on right. earth will be doing this while we pause. That sounds yeah. like a great idea. And also, why are these people constantly, this misinformation thing, when you put that into one of these complaint letters, if that is even on your list as you know top 50, you're doing something wrong. That is an of the moment Ocaron thing that like maybe people listen if we talk about misinformation. This is a this would be a great tool to actually defeat misinformation, not to propagate it if it is if it is done properly. And six months, twelve months pause. What while you sharpen the model to make it more you know more wise about misinformation. And of course, the people that are doing the inputs here are the ones that have to determine what mis misinformation is. But also, it's always the negative stuff. Nobody is thinking about the positive stuff and the positive things that could be happening in six months of development. There was a story about a guy, I think it was his dog, uh, that he took to a vet and was like, I don't know. And the other person was like, I, this is something. And then the guy was like, use chat GPT. And it was like, no, this is what's wrong with your dog. And it turned out to be true. And saved the dog's life. I mean... It's a hilariously stupid example that comes in the Daily Mail, the New York Post. But there are incredible applications of this that if we halt the production of it because we're afraid that it might become sentient and then form a, a you know, a local chapter of the Proud Boys, um, you know, I think that we're worrying about the I, wrong things. And it's saying stop, stop it for six yeah, months seems is, deeply is unserious to me. It feels like there's a free-floating tech anxiety that has three or four or five, who knows how many like fundamental causes. I think a huge one is just smartphones and teens. Yeah. Um, and like people say, Hey, especially with COVID we went, we got the, uh, you know, two out in front of our skis and like, it's, we, we need to reel that back in somehow. Um, which I understand John height right yeah. now. That's like, that's the center of his universe these days. The great uh, social psychologist. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of, 
of uh, a back and forth or of reason just uh, published a piece that uh, that kind of questioned his ongoing thesis about this um, this week. But so there's that piece of it. There's AI, which is really sort of like burning a hole in people's eyeballs right now. Um, and I kind of wonder like what what is the thing? I, I recall uh, and uh, Camille, you might be too young for this. Uh, Michael might uh, <laughs> not, but like uh, it, George W. Bush had his bioethics panel. Do you remember this? I remember that. Um, so yeah. Leon Cass. Leon Cass, right? I think, was the, the chair the uh, of the bioethics panel. Yep. And this was, a lot of it was about stem cell research at mm-hmm. the time. Um, but I think that mm-hmm. the root cause mm-hmm. of it um, is the same thing that caused me to print out a picture and put it on my wall in front, actually right above the Bloomberg terminal. We had actually had a terminal in our office at the Budapest Business Journal. Um, so those terminals were fucking great. <laughs> I'd watch Charlie Rose on a terminal in Budapest in 97. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um but it was Dolly the sheep. Mm-hmm. We cloned a yes, sheep yeah. and it freaked people yeah. out because we were playing God. It freaked me out. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know about God, but like, I, I don't know. It just seems weird. Yeah. Like the, the, the bad thing, like Michael Crichton was, has, was having a huge fucking moment yes, in the nineties. Right. And I yes. tend to think that that bioethics panel, even though the proximate subjects were more about stem cell research, which we now don't care about. Um, but like it was a big, problem for people to wrap their brains around but i kind of think it was dolly the sheep so mm-hmm. I, I sort of wonder what this is now are is the is the ai freak freak out just about ai is it a way to sort of have this displaced um you know teen uh, cell phones thing is it just this you know we've gone from tech optimism to tech pessimism mm-hmm. in a pretty short period of time like 10 15 mm-hmm. years you know um and is it kind of that and the tech pessimism is the our way of explaining how we have a lot of other societal dysfunction um, you know, men aren't working as much. The death rates are, you know, yeah. life expectancy is going down. The, the deaths of despair are way, way up. All this kind of stuff that we can all sort of feel and and talk about. I don't know. Or maybe there's just there's something about AI that I don't understand. And they managed to not explicate in the letter itself. You would think that, like, yeah, if you're going to, point. like, scare me point. and yeah. I'm scarable. Like, I don't like this stuff <laughs> yes. uh, just as I, I mean, not as a. <laughs> Matt needs help opening his. That's emails. not even so. an exaggeration, and I think everyone knows that. Um, but like, like I, 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 it's not that I dislike it; I just don't like it. You know, when people are like, "Hey, I just plugged in," you know, even the Camille uh, uh, race things that a lot of our listeners have been plugging in. I, you know, <laughs> that's as fun as it gets for me, and even that's not all that fun. It's just like I don't understand the 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 upside of it, but it's like you could scare me. You could say. This thing, if left to itself, is going to create its own, you know, those little machines at the in the center at MIT are going to actually start attacking mm-hmm. people. Okay, I get that. Like, if that is your thing, but you have to point to what the thing is that is unique and is going to endanger me to get me at so, all a little yeah, bit scared. Well, I mean, I, I'm not scared. Well, I think that the- <laughs> Scare me, Camille. If someone was going to make the argument, and perhaps we, what we should do, not perhaps, what we should do is have on um, thoughtful AI pessimists um, and have them lay out the, the case for concern here. And the, the thinking is that you develop something that is radically smarter than you. and is self-aware perhaps in some in some way shape or form but doesn't necessarily need to be that they only need to be radically smarter than you and in a position to receive directions from you that are perhaps um kind of unintentionally um dangerous or vague in a way that allows for it to to execute commands 
um, in a way that like imperils mm-hmm. people's lives. It ends up, say, shutting down like half the power plants of the country during the dead of winter um, because uh-huh. it thought that this was a great way to save some uh, some cash and have the deficit. Um, and we weren't thoughtful about implementation. And as a result, it it did all of that. And we're locked out and don't have sufficient control to to turn them back on again. Like, is that is that highly mm. probable at the moment? No. Um, in the future, maybe, I suppose, kind of, sort of, but at the moment, no. Um, and, and I, but the most probable thing is the job, well, the, the most probable right? thing is the jobs thing, That's I suppose, probable. but even that is going to take a hell of Which a I lot support. of time <laughs> and, and the way, and I the way, and the way jobs. that that goes about yeah. happening, um, is going to change a lot as well. I mean, we've, we've eliminated a lot of jobs in this country and created many, many, many more. And we've moved from a society that's mostly agricultural yeah. to one that's mostly service oriented. And I, I would be shocked if we didn't have another profound kind of sea change in the not too distant future. But the idea that chat GPT is prepared to replace like all writers tomorrow is just absurd. If you actually understand what chat, GPT I mean, most is. of them and would be, pl- fine. there are plenty of people who are, yeah, I'd be happy writing stuff that they should, if there were robots yes. that were, Yeah. And by, you said agriculture too. I mean, there's people don't have any, you know, historical memory of this stuff, uh, but it's not hard to find articles uh, decrying mm-hmm. the tractor. Sure. The advent of the tractor. You know, used to have a hundred people till the field and then all of a sudden a guy does it in a, in a tractor and with a with a combustion engine. And that is a threat to these jobs. Yes, those people- That's just not a- that's just not an argument at all to scare else. anybody. I mean, I think like, that, I mean, it can scare an Andrew Yang much, voter. It, it happens a much Bernie faster Sanders voters, though. Like, it happens much Technology faster than the Technology always happens. Is. Of course. Yeah, but, but if, like, it happens, yeah. if it happens new. sufficiently fast, like, that could be dire for lots of people, and it might make it harder for them to transition into other industries. I'm, I'm, I'm at least open to that possibility, but that feels like a navigable problem in a lot of respects. And it, it actually seems to it me that that been. is a yeah. more navigable problem than, I don't know, shelf this for, say, let's say we accept the most pessimistic appraisal and do what they say and shelf this almost indefinitely and regulate it, not necessarily into oblivion, but so that we can qu- closely scrutinize every single iteration of the technology that might result in severe disruption um, of employment across the populace, like how much potential productivity gains are we giving up? I, I, I remember, I can remember hearing uh, Peter Thiel yeah. talk about um, the singularity, which is this, this essentially the notion of uh, of kind of AI self awareness, but not not narrowly that. Um, but saying that his concern is that the singularity. I believe this is a uh, appropriate uh, direct quote, um, and I know he didn't say this in private at some function or something. This was like a, a a presentation someplace, but the singularity is um, like, won't happen fast enough. Like that's the thing that he worries about that. We won't actually have greater prosperity and innovation like soon enough. And that's actually the opportunity here. Like that's the opportunity, you know, the risks are there as well, but the opportunity is massive. I mean, this could be the thing that we need to have certain kinds of breakthroughs in medicine. And, and, and Matt, yeah. I appreciate so much that you brought up Dolly. I mean, it, it, reminded me as well of um, <clears throat> the IVF thing, which I'm confident we've talked about before on the podcast, because I've produced some content about this before, but very similar panic there. And the the actual advantage of proceeding, despite the fact that many, 
knowledgeable scientists, prominent people who had breakthrough discoveries attributable to them, um, were deeply skeptical of in vitro fertilization. It was a radical thing to take embryo to to produce mm-hmm. embryos in petri dishes and then implant them into women's uteruses and say, "Great, like have this baby. It'll be fine." And it turns out that it is mostly fine. And there are entire families who would be forever um, something less than whole if we had proceeded with more caution. Um, and and I don't know that that's the stakes but you, here. You, yeah. um, but in some respects, it could be even more profound than that. I think the stakes are even bigger. I mean, when you said, Camille, and I think you're right about this, is what advances do you lose by putting this stuff on hold? Now, when we say what advances, it's not, you know, uh, what's the best way to grow grass or something? You ask chat GPT and they say, well, this is the day you should do it. And this is how much you should water. It's like, that's just a search engine. Fantastic. It's faster. It's more precise. Great. The things that we're talking about are obviously AI, you know, solving problems, solving huge problems for humanity. If you leave that on the side of the road and say, well, let's just put that because because all this other stuff is going to be bad. It really reminds me, um, and maybe this is an overstatement, but it reminds me of the British communist historian Eric Hobsbawm was on a television program with the Canadian intellectual Michael Ignatiev. And Michael Ignatiev asked him, you know, if there were 10 million deaths, 20 million deaths in the Soviet Union and communism, and it could have achieved the goal that you wanted to achieve ultimately, would that be worth it? He said, yes. (laughs) Astonishingly, said yes. Those that many deaths is worth it, and that's what you, kind of what you get into these kind of moral equations when you say like, okay, well, we're going to put some people out of work. It's going to be a bit scary, but there's the the scene and the unseen here. These the unknown that we could p- potentially be saving, you know, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, a million lives by some of these innovations. If you think that that sounds crazy, Chat GPT. 25 years ago, you would have thought it was like, you know, the Jetsons. It was some insane idea that didn't, didn't, you know, the fact that I watched a, a baseball game on my phone today, if you said that to somebody else 25 years ago, they'd be like, you, you have a mental illness, right? I mean, the possibility of this stuff seems crazy at the moment, but it's very real. And particularly the pace of what is, what is that phrase of just the, of the pace of technological change, uh, that it That's kind of Moore's law, Moore just died by the way. Yeah. Moore's law. Yeah. And he just did just die. Yeah. That Moore's law kind of thing here is that, you know, we're doubling, tripling, quadrupling is that putting this stuff on hold for some vague concern about misinformation strikes me as, as, um, actually ludicrous. It seems. I went to, you guys might remember to Silicon Valley for a week on a junket with the, uh, Swiss America, uh, foundation, Camille, our Hmm. old, uh, what, what brought us together. They didn't invite me back. Um, um, that was like 2019, 2018. They, they invited basically everybody, wow. but like I, I, Not me. I was an editor at large and you were mm-hmm. doing, uh, important things mm. and free things. So I went, mm. Swiss mm. people can be a bit racist. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Of that. Uh, yeah. 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 That must be what it. happened. That's obviously it couldn't be that reason. I'm bad at email. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've been watching Joy Reid all night. I, I just, I, yeah. I watched Joy Reid and I just come to one conclusion. So we, <laughs> we toured uh google we toured tesla we toured uh palantir can i say that out loud yeah we actually went and decided palantir which you liked was pretty it fun. Yeah. yeah you um, love that yeah 
uh love strong <laughs> um but uh went all around and i you know i went there in the classic sense kind of a similar to our trip to israel michael well, like, oh, wow, I couldn't be more mm-hmm. po- more ignorant about where I'm going, and I have no plans to write about it. I'm just going there to fill my brain with something. <laughs> Isn't that the best <laughs> it feeling? Is. It's, it's quite unlike Chris feeling. Rufo's yeah, feeling yeah. in going to Hungary, by the way, which he, uh, he yeah. went there on one of those. Oh, did he, he go just had a, He went there. He's on one of those month-long scholarships from the Danube Institute, and immediately is writing about it. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's uh, comparing it to like the lessons that we can all learn from Victor Orban's Hungary about using state power. It's like, okay, great. You've been there for like 48 hours already. So, okay. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Um, but I went there and the, what was striking among other things, besides the usual stuff that everyone in Silicon Valley talks way too fast and should drink more alcohol and less caffeine. Um, it was all about machine learning and AI. That's all anyone wanted to talk about mm-hmm. in every single uh, uh, possibility. And they, they explained it in a way that I almost began to understand, but, um, it was about, it had nothing to do with misinformation. It just had to do with like, um, mm-hmm. innovation and figuring out business practices and doing this thing and applying this over here. Um, and it was fascinating. It's fascinating, really interesting. It was going through all levels of basically every company that we went through biomedical <laughs> research to everything. It was just like part of what they were doing to, uh, create gains, play with stuff and learn. And it was, it just doesn't resemble even a tiny little bit. The concerns in this letter from people who are more familiar with that area than I am. So like, I, you know, maybe I just missed how being able to make caricatures of George Washington look like a professional wrestler wrestler is supposed to make me feel sad about the future or something, but I, I can't, I can't grasp it. I just honestly can't. I mean, we're in a moment, we're in this kind of doom spiral, this this feeling of doom spiral. And I think, uh, go, going back to Joy Reid, who is uh, just a joy <laughs> to watch. Uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> when she was uh, saying, you know, America's now catching up with the rest of the world that routinely arrests it, its leaders. And I, was like, well, huh? I don't think that's a great thing, but... She no. she did it. She did at one point say, you know, I mean, right now in Israel, uh, the Benjamin Netanyahu is trying to shut down the court, uh, who is uh, because they're trying to because uh, they've indicted him. It's like, yeah, that's not what's happening. I'm glad. I I think Chat GPT could probably catch that misinformation and spit <laughs> something out on the screen and saying that's not exactly what's happening. But um, it is important to actually look at 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 Israel. Uh, Took what's happening in France. Uh, there have been protests uh, now in Germany, uh, sort of union, big union protests in Germany. Is that there's you know these kind you can get that feeling that there is just an overall kind of distrust of institutions that is going on right now and has been going on for some time. And yeah, I think that the the Trump indictment is not going to help matters in, in that for for one segment of the population. And also, look, it has a p- very big potential of being a bust for another part of the population who will again be left with nothing, uh, being very excited that they have something uh, for, for, you know, something to get Donald Trump on. But yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I'd prefer that this was all fought out at the the ballot box. But if there is, if there is something in those 34 counts, which I'm very, very eager to see. It's not 34. Th- okay. Uh, is, I, isn't that what it was? 34? I saw this is all they haven't been seen, but it's like yeah. you know, preliminary reporting said it's thirty. That was uh, two hours ago. So yeah, I think it's... it said um, uh, Drudge said thirty four. The CNN thing it links to just says more than thirty um, huh? related to business fraud. 
um, which is something that we know is true, that the man has been defrauding people, whether it's Trump University or Trump Steaks or Trump Vodka or whatever the hell he was doing. I mean, the man has been been operating a, a Ponzi scheme for a long time. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I, it's best to wait, I guess, to see how this all comes out, to go back to that, to, to go from the AI thing to that. But uh, to go back, I mean, because it just keeps on popping up on my fucking screen right now. It's like people just having conniption fits when there's really nothing to really comment on at the moment beyond the general feeling of this stuff and the, the absurdity of, of some of the reactions on both sides. Camille smoked. Did they, did you, where's the edible? No, Matt Welch, I'm not asleep. I am uh, I'm actively engaged in our conversation. <laughs> and I'm thinking specifically um, about uh, a situation um, from this week, some new reporting that we saw about the uh, Fox Dominion lawsuit, um, specifically that a couple of uh, key documents um, from the, the lawsuit that had previously been redacted are now unredacted. So we have some slides that Dominion had put together that include both testimony um, as well as uh, some screenshots of emails, uh, correspondence between producers and this this weird department, this oddly named department inside of the News Corp building called The Brain Room. And I can remember Matt Welch in 2014, 2015, when we were working in the building, first discovering that such a thing existed. Um, this weird uh, moment happened where our then producer, Tim Selfies, uh, was interjecting into a conversation about something with the production team um, where we were trying to settle some d- dispute. And he said, well, maybe we could put in a request to the brain room. And I thought he was joking. I didn't think that there was actually some department inside the News Corp building that would be responsible for farming out factual information, telling us the truth about things, putting together reports with data, numbers, um, and Deep divey stuff. Just yeah. like really interesting and doing it pretty quickly, at least for 2014, by 2014, 2015 standards. This isn't chat GPT doing it in seconds. It might take a day or a half a day. But when it came back from the brain room, you had a lot of confidence you could trust it. Um, and it was one of those things where the the reporting around this stuff was a little bit different in that they would apparently send requests down to the brain room related to Dominion um, in November of 2020 um, and ask questions like, um, or at least supply them with a quote from the president. One, for example, is a report, uh, Dominion deleted 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Data analysis finds 221,000 Pennsylvania voters switched from President Trump to Biden. 941,000 Trump votes deleted. States using Dominion voting systems switched 435,000 votes from Trump to Biden. And then the, the brain room responds with uh, the facts. There's no evidence of widespread fraud in the 2020 election or major problems with the Dominion systems. Election officials from both parties have stated publicly that the election went well and international observers confirmed there were no serious irregularities. That is the brain room's response on November 13th to a request from someone who I presume is a producer uh, for one of the the shows there at Fox. And there's a couple of pieces of correspondence like this um, with facts that contradict the narrative that the Trump administration was trying very hard to establish at that point um, about widespread voter fraud. Um, and despite the warnings from the brain room, 
none of those qualifications appeared in the coverage for the most part. Um, and they would eventually uh, just see reports of the allegations from the Trump administration uh, essentially turning into or at least supporting some of the coverage. Um, were there occasionally qualifications? Sure. <laughs> um, is it is it possible um, that some of these people were going to air their doubts occasionally? Sure. We saw the exchange with Sidney Powell and Tucker Carlson, um, but there were plenty of other moments that hardly seemed consistent with a lot of the skepticism that would eventually emerge um, in these text messages and now emails. Um, so- and if I'm not mistaken, some of the uh, the phraseology from the brain room, which I remember as as like serious and not uh, not combative and also like mm-hmm. not not prepared to give too many fucks. Um, but some of the the uh, verbiage in these particular requests were things like 100% false <laughs> was a, a way to describe some of the, the yeah, that's even there. like technological uh, 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 accusations against Dominion, its, its business relationships, the way it does its uh, business. Um, from, I had forgotten, full disclosure, I had forgotten this thing existed. I, I don't know why I scrubbed it from my brain. I must have had a dispute with them, and I was trying to uh, trying to, to scrub it, um, probably over government spending, right? Because uh, the bulk of our show happened in 2014, and that's when there was a lot of, of discussion over negotiations, budget negotiations in Washington, and we're the type of show who might say, well, the government has spent this number of trillion dollars and et cetera. And um, and Tim Silfies, who's an American hero, who's a fantastic producer, um, would uh, want to check things through. And so you would do it. And you would, if you consulted the brain room, if you said, hey, brain room, we're looking for a number on government spending. Your show was going to either reflect that number or if you didn't like that number or it conflicted with your understanding of things, you were not going to uh, express a number that was different. That was just <laughs> our, my our informal understanding of of the way things uh, uh, worked out there. So um, that actually is is um, a more powerful uh, data point than most of what I've seen. I mean, the fact that Rupert Murdoch said, "Ah, these guys are probably crazy," but what are we going to do? Um, or whatever he had said in in previous iterations. It's interesting. It's lurid. It's good for tabloid fodder in the new york post (laughs) or anywhere else um but i'm not sure it's going to do anything in a court of law because you know the the fox uh news channel and fox business they are places with lots of different employees and 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 lots of different on-air talent who have different interpretations of events that's normal um and you shouldn't just because it might conflict with the understanding of the chairman or other different executives but if they went to the brain room Mm -hmm. and said Trump says this crazy stuff about Dominion. Is it true? And they say, yeah, 100% false. <laughs> and then a show whose producer asked that question had its on-air talent say the exact same uh, um, accusation. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still don't think – I still think there's a real uphill kind of climb for Dominion to uh, to win in a court of law. I think they might – uh, you know, pressure Fox into settling ahead of time because it's pretty embarrassing and not very fun to have all this discovery happen. Um, but that is, to me, the most interesting thing. Yes, there is a brain room, or there was a brain room at Fox, <laughs> and they did really good work. Um, and you were, you, are, you know, you would contradict 
their uh, views. Well, you wouldn't in in the case of our show. It might be a little bit better, bigger if you have a, a or different if you had a bigger clout than we did. But uh, they did quality work. They didn't come back with shoddy representation. I don't know anything about the brain room. <laughs> nothing, nothing Did Vice have a brain room? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it, it had one and then it fired me. Did it? Uh, so <laughs> can no longer. You notice the quality decline. Yeah. Um, it has, no, it has been precipitous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it is, it's, it's a battle for the basement now. Would, would there be like a back channel to Moynihan, uh, like from some some senior executives there? Like, hey, we're running this kind of crazy stuff. What does Moynihan think about it? Like back when sometimes, they still had those people there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I also would often get uh, inquiries from people I didn't know were sensible uh, and normal, and would uh, feel that they could open up to me about some of the craziness that was going on. <laughs> Which is always really interesting. It's like it's like you know getting uh, DMs uh, in the from fifth column listeners, but it was like people you worked with, and a bunch of people that that confessed in various points that they listened to the podcast, which was initially terrifying. And then I realized that if they were consistently listening to the podcast, they were either trying to get me fired, or they were much more sensible than I I ever knew. And it usually turned out to be to be the uh, the latter, because um, they had to run out of money before they fired me. So anyway. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> Much more to talk about. Uh, it was really funny that somebody sent me a piece from Vice, which, uh, shockingly, the headline turned out to not be true. But the uh, but I will cite it if there was ever any problem. But it was like some headline that uh, you're no longer bound by your that onerous NDA that you signed, uh, says National Labor Relations Board or something like that. And I was like, ah, oh, well, if Vice is reporting that, that means I could I'm bound by nothing. And I can talk about them forever. So, so if you want to know anything, just send me a message, and I'll, I'll probably not reply to you. But uh, if it's interesting enough, we can talk about it on the on the podcast. Can I tell you about one weird thing that I saw? Yeah, yeah. Today, um, just to this is totally random. There was a kid who in Virginia and who was convicted, I think, about ten years ago, of terrorism related crimes and served a sentence and got out. And was just sentenced to an additional year after being out for a little bit. And why um, was he sentenced to an additional year? Because he violated the terms of his parole by meeting with John Walker Lind, uh, what? the American Taliban, Taliboy. who was yeah, who was released in 2019. And I think our pal Graham Wood uh, communicated with him when he was in prison, wrote letters back and forth hmm. that um, he not only in that 20 years in prison didn't rethink his position. He's apparently more radical than he's ever been. What? And somehow the FBI was not paying attention to him. Well, I mean, they were paying attention to the other guy uh, that these two convicted terrorists are just meeting up in America. And this guy, apparently it's not violation for Lind, but I think it's totally fascinating that the, like no one has talked about that John Walker Lind since he's been released. Um, because I mean, there was a, a, um, you know, campaign at the time that he was, be he was just a poor kid from Marin County that was being horribly treated, but uh, apparently he's a big ISIS fan. <laughs> so, so there was not a lot of rehabilitation in prison for old Johnny Walker Lind, uh, the American Taliban, who I think he, changed his name to Hamza. So just want to throw that out there. When she was uh, still doing journalism, uh, went to Marin County and, uh, and did a big story about uh, his milieu and his uh, family. 
Yeah, I remember his parents were were out and about at the time and um and uh giving interviews and speeches and the rest of it, his father in particular. And then one other thing I wanted to just talk about because I know there's some people that are going through the same thing. Um ADHD medication. Let's talk about this briefly, mm. which is Adderall. Mm. We talk about Adderall a lot. Yeah. It is now nearly impossible to get Adderall in the United States. Um, and I just want to tell you how crazy this is kind of like a drug war sort of thing, too. Because it reads written about this, about these uh, caps they put on the production of these things. And during the pandemic, there was a study recently, there was like a 33% increase in the the uh, number of prescriptions, uh, particularly I think for young men uh, for Adderall. And in this state, I just want to tell you how crazy this is in this state. There is, the Biden administration is now considering a rule because of a place that Camille and I have talked about, a Silicon Valley startup uh, that was prescribing Adderall um, via like Zoom, basically. Uh, what was it called? Camille, what's that company called? Yeah, I don't know if I want to tell anybody about my connect. Well, no. it's but it's like they're being sued by the government. So it's it's but done. I'm not saying <laughs> it's done. That, I'm not saying that you're using them. I'm just <laughs> saying that it was called like, you know, Smarty Pants or whatever. And uh it, <laughs> I can't remember. The name. <laughs> done. It was like cle- done. clever boots. No, it's done yeah. donefirst.com. Okay. Yeah. Those people, so this is what what they're planning on doing now. The Biden administration because of that is now trying to um make another law for controlled substances in in this great land of ours that you would not be able to prescribe things um over uh over a tele a, a video conference call you'd have to do it in person mm-hmm. um now in just think about this this medication in this state of new york and i think this is true in, in a lot of states there are no refills on adderall adhd medication so you have to go every month to get a, a prescription. Yeah. If this law passes, by the way, it would mean that they write them for you sometimes, like three months in advance, um, or give you a whole bunch at once, or just do a video call, or you send them an email and they'll just send in the prescription. So you don't have to pay a copay and go back into the... Okay. Now there's a shortage because of government caps on the production of this stuff. And if they can't fill it within a month, you have to get a new prescription. Oh, no. <laughs> Which has happened to me, which I, I have to get a new prescription because I, the one that they've um, uh, wrote for me, I haven't been able to fill it. Now, can you go shopping to a different, to a different pharmacy? Kind of. No, it's a controlled substance. Yeah. No, you can't. Well, you can't but all you, around. You, this is the problem. You can't. Yeah. No, but also when they prescribe it for you, this is what the war on drugs in 2023 looks like because you can buy weed literally anywhere in New York. At every corner, there's like a, a, a mm-hmm. shop selling weed. Mm-hmm. The, if you prescribe it, it's not transferable because yeah. it's a because it's a controlled substance. Well, yes, you so, have to get a new prescription. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, yes, I'm but they won't keep that. writing them. And then, if this Biden thing passes, not only you can't keep writing them. If you wanted them to write a new one, you'd have to go into the office every day and pay a copay. Yeah, you'd have to literally live at the office to do this. And there's so many things this is that one make way to stop life the shortage, difficult. Though Moynihan, if you can't actually get the drug legally, then you know. For those of us yes. who can, <laughs> it's, yes. it's better. No, this is, this is how black markets start. And oh, this is a great, I mean, this is the government yeah. is doing this because they have these production caps on control substances that they're, that, you know, that, look, the companies that make these things would love to produce more and more of them and sell more and more of them. And they are not able to. 
And there are lots of people, lots of stories, Wall Street Journal, I think just had one, of people who cannot get their medication because of this. And it's not really being framed by anywhere but reason, by the way, reason's done a good job of this, as a problem of regulation. And the levels of regulation on top of that, that prevent you from trying to find a pharmacy that has it, and then in the future, you know, having, writing an email and saying, can you try to fill it here? That will be illegal. Every, I mean, it is incredible that on these little things like this, while the, the kind of um, onerous regime of like anti-cannabis laws and attitudes has been kind of loosening up, it's clamping down in other places. You know, vaping is a great example of it. It's like all things that I enjoy. Um, <laughs> that's a great example of it. And Nancy Rahman, our friend, just texted and said, hey, I'm in North Carolina. Lots of tobacco products down here. Wink, wink. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I have, to, I have to respond to her. But yeah, it's like, you have to get these things other places. And it is the most frustrating thing in the world that one cannot um, get medication that they've been getting for 20 years. Can I and ask- it really fucks up your life too. Can I ask uh, if if I did it question um, to you, Moynihan? Um, sure. Uh, if you like just wanted to, uh, mm -hmm. instead of getting Adderall, uh, get like a, I don't know. Cocaine? A bag of cocaine? <laughs> yes. Would it be easier? easier? To a thousand times. I mean, not even close. It, it would be more expensive because my insurance doesn't cover um, like a gram of cocaine at a time. <laughs> um, we could probably file for a special dispensation, yeah. but, um, I mean, I could, I could get any day tomorrow, I wake up tomorrow by noon, I could easily have cocaine and I'm not even in the city right now. Um, it's, it's pretty much everywhere. And I kind of guess get. that East egg has a bit of cocaine sloshed around. <laughs> yeah. I think it probably does. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've never seen it here, but I suspect yeah, yeah, that yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot going little, around. Little, little airfields, little, little dinghies <laughs> wash up. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, little, yeah, little submarines that pop up, like full of like Colombians with Adderall. <laughs> Whoever is Adderall from the jungle? He's got good. Fives, got your tens, got your twenty fives. <laughs> I got fast release, got slow release. <laughs> God, I need to find that guy. Uh, my my supply. Yeah. I love you. I love using the pad podcast as a place to complain about things that are happening in my life, and then framing them as political. I think it was more of an ask for like direct yeah. mail. Yeah, help. And, from, and I, I mean, if you have direct mail, help. I, that all. Um, yeah, I can't. I don't control what you send me. It's not. I, I, I can't no, get in trouble you know for what? that. But don't put it. Just don't put a return. Yeah, we, we don't actually want you to send um, your your crushed up Adderall. We no, drunk. I would not we, trust that. We drank um, <laughs> weird booze out of jars that was made in yes. someone's yes. garage. Like mason jars. That was yeah. that was bizarre. Mm -hmm. Not sure yeah. why I did that, but I did it. Yeah, that's old yeah, pickle I did it. <laughs> It's like what? Speed was delicious. <laughs> I'll never do it again. Of which so, the uh, yeah. the. Um, on our last uh, members-only episode for paying mm. subscribers, uh, we we read a bit from the fellas, all of the fellas. Uh, mm. I assume they're they're dudes um, at Chattanooga Whiskey. Mm. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They sent us enough whiskey to keep a whole horses oh, tranquilized boy. for the summer. Uh, we um, are you challenging me to drink all of that in like a week? Because I, I I hear you and I take you up on it. Yep. 
Uh, I right. sent you guys, uh, I, I thought I went through, I sent you guys an unboxing video. I had my eight-year-old open the boxes of whiskey uh, and three really handsome uh, uh, trucker hats too. Uh, Look at that. Have. That's so, great. Uh, um, thanks, well, thanks, do boys. them a favor and go to Chattanooga uh, Whiskey and buy some of their fine, fine products. Have you tasted the products yet, Matt? Not yet. Uh, waiting, okay. not for well, you let's, let's as much. Well, as, let's do it this, this weekend. Know. I'll have a little with you. That'll okay. be fun. I saw it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to having a little, a little tipple. And uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, when you buy the stuff, make sure you tell them where you came from. Yeah. Uh, that it's because that we want the credit for it, not just some random drunks. But can you buy that? You can buy that online? Is that what's, Should, I can't get, I, I assume that there's probably a million different regulations about sending alcohol through the mail or something. <laughs> it's always something annoying about this stuff. But um, yeah, I figured I'd, I, I buy things through the mail that I'm not supposed to. And it's, nobody ever bothers me. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to let you imagine what that is. <laughs> it's not the dark web. I promise you. Yeah. Um, it is actually like diabetes stuff. So <laughs> that you technically need a prescription for, but there are people happy to give you, uh, give you stuff. Um, anyway. So what should we done? We, we done? Yeah. Maybe we, we should wrap up. We, uh, we can yeah, punch sure. out. We can punch out. Yeah. We did one the other day, which was a good one, which you should go listen yeah. to. Yeah. But it'll cost you. That's yeah, over which is only the, fair. Uh, at the uh, we the fifth dot substack dot com, and uh, thank you guys for all coming over. There's been a bunch of a bunch of new people, um, and it's been really fun. And it has precipitated a lot of fun uh, new emails. Oh God! Um, many of which are about my uh, appearances in your dreams. Just, and that just, is no more of that. I can't encourage that yeah. less. What, really. What are you guys, why are you, are you just, you're just fucking jealous. You're just jealous that I'm having sex with all these hot women in their dreams. Yeah. <laughs> are they hot? Uh, yeah. mm, who knows? You know what, who Matt? Knows, she's Matt. a paying subscriber. Who knows? Then, yes, she is. Yeah. Hot. Super duper hot. Oh my God. Unbelievably hot. Yeah, you're all beautiful. Yes. It's like a, it's like a, what is that beautiful song? Who sang that? You, you are so, uh, you are Sam so beautiful Smith? to me. That's not Sam Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Joe Cocker. Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. it's what's her face? Oh. It's a Linda Perry song sung by what's her face? Wait, didn't Joe Cocker sing the version of that? Well, no, but not because you're beautiful. No oh no, that one. Say. Yeah, no, that. not that. That garbage. Well, yeah, well, that's a yeah. good song. No, it's not. Anything that Linda Perry <laughs> writes is not is not because she she Steve Perry she only wrote for the, you. Well, no, she, yeah, of course. She wrote the single worst song of the 1990s. Um, It's called What's Going On, and it's the worst song of the 90s. Actually, it's called What's Up. And it really should, uh, oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. (laughs) Even worse. Makes it worse. (laughs) Garbage. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. We, We know of new methods of attack. Broken heart.